Looking for an assist with your credit card, but you can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Yeah, there should be some passion. This doesn't have to be boring. Boring, boring. Hey, one thing the game needs is more people like you. You, you. Still have grown men run around tight pants. It's Mookie Betts. It's Daniel Bard. It's Steve Aoki. There's Salt Lamakia. This is Brock Holt. Hey, this is John Lester. Baseball. Baseball. Baseball isn't boring. Welcome to Baseball Isn't Boring. Here's your host, Rob Radford. Offense has come to life. That is your home run call of the day. Brandon got in. Austin Riley going deep. Yes, the Braves, they're good. I don't know if you know this. And FanDuel, our great partners, the people who help power us through the season. We are so, so thankful of them. They have put the Atlanta Braves as the favorites right now to win the whole World Series. That is, betting isn't boring. Yes, betting isn't boring, especially when you do it with FanDuel. Braves, plus 340. Next up, Dodgers, plus 430. Next up, guess what? A team that has been fighting, scratching for first place in the American League East, not the Orioles, the Rays, plus 550. Well, we have the odds. Now we also have to look, take a little bit deeper look at why those odds are what they are and also what our guts are telling us. And there is no better person to have on the podcast to talk about science, to talk about facts, to talk about instincts, to talk about baseball fandom, then a fine, fine, one of the great actors around, Ellen Adair. You just saw her on MLB Network. She's been on the podcast a couple different times. I believe this is her third time. And it's just such a uh, treat when she comes on just to talk to take a deep dive into baseball. Take deep deep dive to the what's what, what's going on. And today, all I asked her, I said, hey, Ellen, can you please, please, please steer us in the right direction in terms of figuring out who actually are pretenders and who are contenders? Because there's a lot of teams right on the fence here as we head to the trade deadline. And she didn't disappoint. All right, well, I don't want to – it's a long podcast. It's a great conversation. And so I want to get right to it. But here you go. Here is an educated guess slash opinion slash declaration 
of who is actually going to survive at the end of this whole thing. Who are the contenders? Who are the pretenders with a little trade deadline guessaroo at the very, very end? All right, here's Ellen Dare. All right, I, I, I talked about Ellen Dare being maybe the best voice of baseball, at least top <laughs> 10 that I've heard this season. Um, but I'm I'm bumping up Ellen to top five. I mean, the, you the MLB Network put it over the top. Your appearance. Oh, thanks. That Thank was excellent. You. That was that we were sitting. I was actually sitting in the Red Sox clubhouse watching that, as other people were, and just say, you know, it's this. It was so good, so good. Uh, and I always appreciate when you come on the podcast, and um, and I mean it. I mean, this is when we're when we want to get into the nuts and bolts about exactly what's going on in baseball. Thank you, Ellen. Thank you for steering the ship here. Oh, gosh, I don't think I can take that kind of credit at all. No, it's always a a lot of fun to go on MLB Network. I was um, lucky that I got to do it a lot more last year uh, than I have this year, just because of the way that they've sort of restructured some of their programming. But I always have a blast. You you have a lot of notes. and I know they they, they pointed that out (laughs) on social media. And how much of the how many of the notes did you get to? Because this is it's always good to over prepare, right? And I'm sure you have a lot of notes for this podcast. Well, you know, honestly, with uh, going on MLB Network, we have more like, we're going to talk about this. We're going to talk about like this versus this. And like today, I actually don't quite have as many notes. Good. That's uh, how we like it. I know, honestly. (laughs) It's a little bit more freeform what we're going to be doing today. I I feel like, you know, I feel like that's that's the difference with podcasts. It's sort of along the lines of talk radio too, sports talk radio. It's no, this is podcast. I've always said this. And when, when I do radio, I find myself stepping in, sitting in the chair. Okay, we're going to talk for two hours. Whereas a lot of sports talk radio, Ellen, a lot of it is very, very structured Google Docs and everything else. Um, but having done podcasts now all the time, I like this a lot better. <laughs> I do. It's because it's just us talking. Yeah, well, there's 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 more space, right? So for me, when I go on MLB Network, I want to think about, all right, I probably have time to say one or two, or if, you know, I'm very lucky, three things. So I want to make sure that what are, what is what is the best thing that I can say, right? That's that's often what it is, is that I have like 10 different things that I think I could say about something, but I really want to make sure that I figure out what's the most interesting point. So I do, I do have a couple of notes for today, like just in case, like who no, knows what no. we're going to get to, yeah. but, so let, uh, let, but yeah, let, not, not nearly as extensive. Let me ask you this. So this is the, the after show of the MLB network uh, parents. Um, what was the thing you walked out of there and say, oh man, I wish I got to that. That was a great note. That was like, I had that top of mind. Was there anything? I know it was a little while ago, a few weeks ago. But yeah, I, it was a little while ago. I don't quite remember. There were a few right. segments that we had prepared for that we didn't end up doing the segments at all. Um, oh, really? Of course, now I don't even recall what those were. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's one of those things I just try to like have no regrets, you know, just like leave it behind <laughs> me. I think one of the things, one of the things maybe that I wanted to talk about, I know we were talking about the Reds and um, my opinions have perhaps changed about the Reds versus Brewers since that time. Um, but I was uh, very excited to talk about Spencer Steer's ability to hit with uh, two strikes and I did never talk about that so, uh, so well, maybe one listen, thing the floor is yours the floor is yours if you if you if I'm gonna give if you want to talk about that to kick things off because we we know what we're going to talk about if but I want to give you your avenue if you want to talk about Spencer Steers ability to hit with two strikes here it is 
I mean, I don't honestly have that much more to say about it, I guess. But I just, I, he's he's this he's the second best in baseball at hitting with two strikes. It's like a joy to watch. This is a thing that that I enjoy. That I think a lot of real like baseball people enjoy to see a player actually have a different approach with two strikes than than they do in other counts. And you know, it could be something that I particularly appreciate because I get to see it with the best two strike hitter in baseball all the time, which is Bryson Stott. So, um, you know, uh, I was, I was watching some reds like we all were at that time period. When the reds team, were America's yeah. team. I'm not saying they're not America's team anymore, but anyway, uh, yeah. And I was like, look at this kid. Yeah. Anyway, I just like him. And, and I think, you know, Ellie De La Cruz is so exciting to watch. Obviously he has, notably cooled since the all-star break but um in that tiny tiny sample size but you know it's one of those things where uh i think that he's so good that like matt mcclain has not gotten the love that he deserves mm, and yeah. spencer steer has not gotten the love that he deserves i think you know they're they're all such exciting young players and all of them are so fun to watch for sort of different reasons and uh, yeah matt mcclain has been uh, very good in this last period in which the reds have been slightly less good. I, yeah, I got a chance to talk to him. Um, and and it, because what, what I talked to him, Ellen, about was in that draft, I think it was 2021, in that draft, he was one of the – he had five shortstops taken in front of him, including a college kid right before him, kid from Wake Forest, who hasn't even broken single A. And so I just asked him, I said, listen, I mean, like, at one time, you were perceived as even maybe a top five, and that's how the draft goes. It goes up and down. And he had the great answer. He just said, listen, when you when you get in the batter's box, the pitcher doesn't care where you were drafted. And mm. I'm like, that was, you know what? You know, I know that in that draft, it was um, Marcelo Meyer. It was Jordan Waller. It was There was a bunch of shortstops there, and he could have been all wrapped up. I got to keep pace with them, or I got to do better than them, which he has. He's made the major leagues. But uh, but he just has such a level head and is such a good player. I'm glad you brought him up. So so yeah. I thought that was a good answer. Good for him. Um, so uh, by the way, you mentioned Bryson Stott. I think this is, might be the second time. The last time this happened too. You were on maybe the same week we had Matt Strom. On. I was on the same week that we, we had you had Matt Strom. I know because I got to um, sort of reply to some of the thoughts that he was to, having. to the beard yeah. to yeah so the 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 beer sales uh controversy which um not a controversy but conversation mm-hmm, and then mm-hmm. uh he was on with us on tuesday and as matt is wont to do he i just say hey listen matt last time i talked to you i just said you got anything on on your mind and he talked about the beer sales and i asked him again sure enough you had a few things including the, the baseballs. The baseballs, he said, are a complete mess. That's what he said. So, Yeah, well, I mean, I know that there's there they've had some thought about developing tackier baseballs of the kind that they do in that they have in Japan, which I think would certainly simplify the whole what kind of substances you're allowed to use and, you know, is, is it just – adding water to rosin that made it so sticky for Domingo Herman and, and things like that. Um, so I think I'm, I'm basically, I'm for the idea of developing a tackier ball, but I know that they haven't quite gotten yeah. there yet. Well, that's what the umpire Jim Joyce said when he came on, he said, absolutely. 
So you got to do something. The rosin does nothing. But actually, you know, Strom was just talking about the the balls being all over the place. The the seams are raised. They aren't raised. They feel this way. So sometimes you reach in the bucket and it feels like a tennis ball. Sometimes it doesn't. It's it's. I mean, that's kind of crazy. But anyway, mm-hmm. the uh, it, the most important thing is that as we sit here, the Phillies are a wild card team. The Phillies are a wild card team. <laughs> yes, thank you, Marlins, for not playing today. I appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> but but uh, you know, looking back at that run, the Phillies, and what we get, I want to get to is is you know who are the pretenders, who are the contenders, and also. Uh, who do you feel like are going to be the diehard, no question about it, buyers and sellers? And mm. um, but with the the Phillies, uh, they had as of yesterday, going back to June third, they had the most wins other than the Braves. They had one less win than the, the Braves. I, I think this, and, and I asked Matt, I said, "What turned it around?" He's like, "Well, I've he's, his words. He said, I've never seen a group of young players take to what the veteran players." do more than this group. And I don't know from your perspective if that hits home because you follow the Phillies a lot more than I do, but that seems cool. <laughs> yeah, you know, it, it's interesting for me if I want to do some magical thinking. I feel like they they turned it around around the start of June. That was when they started playing a little bit differently. And what I wanted to say is it's Reese Hoskins being back in the dugout. And I don't, I don't know. I mean, I think that like, he is such an important clubhouse leader uh, to the Phillies and that I think it was such an emotional blow for me as a fan to, to like unexpectedly lose him and to not know, like, is this literally the last that we've seen of Reese Hoskins in a Phillies uniform in like a stupid spring training game sliding for a stupid pop-up like anyway um so i know that that really took the wind out of my sails and i have to imagine that it felt the same for the guys on the team and so look i don't really believe that that's what it is but i feel like that's as good of a reason as any right is is that uh, they started playing better around the first time that uh, that reese was like hey i'm just going to show up at the ballpark i'm at this point in my rehab where I can sit in the dugout with everybody. Um, I mean, one of the things, though, one of the reasons why I particularly don't believe that that's actually true, that's just the you know storytelling part of my brain that likes that, is because one of the major things that really turned the Phillies around in June is how good their starting pitching became. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of it was that you know, Ranger Suarez didn't get a spring training and because he, he injured himself in the World Baseball Classic. And so he was coming back and adjusting to the, the pitch clock um, sort of in real time, in real games. And uh, Taiwan Walker didn't have the best start today, but uh, but definitely had been really, uh, it wasn't a terrible start today. Uh, had been sort of not great to start the season and then really locked things down um, in June was was quite exceptional, actually. And and also, I think, you know, both Wheeler and Nola have been up and down a little bit, but we saw kind of, I think, a little bit more consistency in in even in the variation between their starts in that time period. So I don't I don't really think it's Reese Hoskins because, you know, it's also it's also been the bullpen. Um, The bullpen has been really exceptional. I wish I could just go back 
to my poor self in, you know, like 2019, 2020 and be like, it's all going to be okay. <laughs> uh, well, I can't remember. You mentioned Nola. I can't remember if our podcast was before or after he gave you a shout out. Oh, I think, you know, I think both, because I think this is my third time being yeah. on your podcast. And I think it was, um, I think both of those times before. Oh, my goodness. It oh, it was after, right? Week. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he, he knew exactly, you know, he's knew exactly about your fandom and, and seemed like a very nice guy. Um, oh, he was so nice. I mean, I, the time that I met him, it was my mom's birthday and we were uh, sort of let out onto the field. There was no BP, but we got to like stand. We'd never sort of stood anywhere. We weren't standing on the grass. We were standing on sort of just like the dirt behind home plate. And we were just kind of like standing there looking around. And Aaron Nola came out of the dugout and walked over to us. I mean, he had no idea who we were, but he was just like, oh, there are fans here. Maybe they'd like to say hi. And uh, (laughs) I I mean, I don't, I just blathered the stupidest stuff at him, like key things that I should have said to him, like, you're my favorite player in baseball right now. Like I didn't manage to say, I said, just like, I have no idea what I said, Um, but I left my body. And uh, I I feel like if I do anything, as as or as a to, as a payback for you coming on the podcast, I got to get him and you on the same podcast. I think I'd die. I, uh, I don't know. I, I, I actually I, don't know if I want that. Uh, oh, you don't? Well, he, he, yeah, listen, don't he, he has he, he has he has a baseballs and boring t shirt, so he clearly <laughs> owes me. Um, so um, yeah, I know what you mean. I, you know, we're 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 around a lot of people, right? It's funny because we talk. You know, you're around a lot of famous people and, and in a different way. And I'm around a lot of famous people in a different way. Um, but there's some, I did this the other day at the all-star game. I, I was walking through the concourse in Seattle and Theo Epstein's walking the other way. And I've known Theo since 2000, whatever, three. And, and I, Hey, Hey, Theo. Hey, Hey. He's like, this is Eddie. And like, Oh, Eddie Vedder. I mean, for me, Ellen, Eddie Vedder's a bucket list guy. So I was just, and, he, and to his credit, he's just like, that's okay. <laughs> I'm like, that's so cool. <laughs> that's really nice. Yeah, that's it is. Really it's, nice. It's, it's nice when they're nice, right? Um, yeah. <laughs> all right. So let's get to it. Um, so we want to do, we want to pick through. There's a lot of great stories in baseball. We mentioned the Reds. And some of these teams, we just desperately want to do well. But it's time. It's that time. Less a week and a half out from the trade deadline, we have to def- start defining who's going to be actually be contenders and pretenders. Um, I we we did it from the baseballs and boring Twitter account today. The image of the poor. I don't know if you saw that poor kid um, who was racing the freeze in the Braves. You know the freeze, the guy who runs around the warning track. And the poor kid had about three yards on the freeze until the last five yards. And then he just fell flat on his face. And I just said, who is, which team is that? 
which team oh, gets gosh. there and it's all flipped in their face. It's so sad. It's so sad. Yes, I think I'm familiar with this. This is not recent, right? This is like, you know, archival no, footage of somebody. No, no, I think it was, uh, I believe it was, it was, it was the most recent kid falling flat on his Oh, face. okay. All right. Well, then I guess, no, I haven't seen it. I'm yeah. thinking of some other person. So Perhaps good. I'm thinking of the person who was like, yeah, yeah, I'm doing really well. And then the priest yeah. was like, nope. No, this kid, this kid does a face plant about, he, he reaches out for the ribbon and he, he he misses it by about a foot and the freeze just runs by chest out <laughs> just uh anyway that was my oh, that was gosh. my metaphor that was my analogy for uh, a team that maybe is get going 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 then sad trombone at the end um all right so how do you want you want to go through the divisions you want to go through the leagues or the uh you want to pick uh which teams that you I, the best way to do it maybe is to say here are the teams that i think are going to be in the postseason is that, that, that makes the, sense okay sure yeah all right yeah i mean it's, it's your podcast <laughs> no no so but you know it's, it's it's a group effort here um all right so we'll just go through i think a worthy worthwhile exercise because all of a sudden now all of these divisions are close we'll go through who's going to win the division in each in your mind fair Ameri okay Amer all right Amer american league east <sighs> immediately i'm like oh gosh yeah i mean look i it's what, what's complicated is how much the rays have cooled recently and and i want to say that like i think that the that both the rays and the orioles i would i would guess that both of them are going to make it but what's complicated is again if we look at for example like what the rays have done in the first half of the season versus what the orioles have done in the first half of the season what we have factored in there is that incredibly hot start that the rays got off to so you know for example this is one note that i have um the uh, orioles are currently in first place but for the first half of the season they have 107 wrc plus so for those who are not familiar with weighted runs created plus it's basically just scored where 100 is league average so everything above 100 107 is like seven percent better than league average so tampa bay rays had 120 wrc plus for the first half of the season on the other hand i don't think that they've been playing like that recently at all i i certainly don't feel like they were when they faced the Phillies, and I know that they've dropped a couple of their of their recent games as well. And I mean, I guess specifically their offense hasn't been performing in that way, whereas the Orioles' offense has been more solid for the you know for the season, and they've won eight of their last ten games. So. Yeah, I mean, I guess I think I think they're both real, um, but I ac actually look. Obviously, I feel like the Rays feel like the obvious choice, but I just feel like if their offense continues performing in the way that they have, then it might not be as much of a, a fait accompli as we might. It's so do. it's so crazy. It's so crazy. It's like even when the Rays were the Orioles were creeping up, you're like, oh well, you know, the Rays are everyone has a bad patch. But then that bad patch became a bad crater and became a bad canyon. And, you know, I look at it, I, someone said this, pointed this out very early with the Rays, that they had so many home games and they were playing so well at home. And now it's sort of evened off. I looked at the home. They've, they've had almost about the same number of home games. So they have, uh, uh, bless you, I've Excuse had a... Um, they've had so 50 home games and 49 road games but and they're 35 and 15 at home 
25 and 54, uh, I'm sorry, 25 and 24 away. And I just saw that was always in the back of my mind that they have a lot of home games are playing well at home. It might catch up to them a little, but not this much. But so anyway, the Orioles, you're picking the Orioles. No, you're picking I mean, the Rays. You're picking the Rays. I'm sorry. I think picking I'm picking the Rays. I don't you're know. So, I mean, here's the other thing that's complicated. I know I was just talking about the offense, but like McClanahan, Eflin, and Glasnow have been great, although, you know, two of them historically have a hard time staying healthy. And and Taj Bradley has shown flashes of brilliance. And there's good reason to be optimistic about him, but he, he's not consistent yet. And their pitching was so fantastic in the first half, but that includes the fantastic start by Jeffrey Springs and Drew Rasmussen, who are now out for the season, right? So I guess it's sort of a question of, are they going to replace those pitchers with other pitchers, right? To, to, to be able to play at anything close to the pace that they got sort of, that they started the season with. Yeah. I think they're, what they're going to get is, oh, hey, they're, it's still the adrenaline's still rushing from the baseball game. Yes, know. yeah. Yeah. Uh, yes. Wearing his uh like tropical print Mets shirt and his uh, tropical print uh, Mets hat because he was like, if I can't wear these in late July, then when can I wear them? It, it allowed Eric's uh tweet with the Mr. Matt allowed me to surface my tweet in the in the bowels of T Mobile Stadium in, in Seattle, Mr. Matt walking by. So Mr. Matt's uh, brand has never been hotter. But when you go when when you go to uh, you know, the Rays, I think they're going to get an arm, a bullpen arm. I think they're going to get a they hard absolutely throw, need a, that a hard yeah. throw. And when they when they when I saw them last talking to Kyle Snyder, he's like the one thing that we sort of don't have is kind of hard throwing guys at the end of the bullpen. Um, so which is interesting. So I, I think that that's absolutely and now, and now you just have to hope that they they don't break down. And I love the acquisition the Orioles just got from the A's um, guy who's who does throw hard, who was a terrible starter, and now he's a decent reliever. Um, so good for the Orioles. I, the Orioles. Are we yeah. talk about the America's team? Like the Orioles are close to the America's team too. Uh, yeah, I I definitely Orioles were America's team last year, and I recently um, purchased an Adley Rutschman jersey when we oh. went to a game. So yeah, I mean, I'm look, I'm so ready to bandwagon. Yeah, I think I think um, first of all, this was one interesting fact that I had about uh, about the Rays is that they had the third worst relief pitching war in the um, AL for the first half. So yeah, they do need to bolster that bullpen a little bit um and for the orioles i what i've seen a lot of just sort of circulating on twitter is uh pointing out how much shintaro fujinami has sort of settled down recently right and and that can often be a thing right where a japanese pitcher coming over might have a sort of a period of adjustment getting used to the different balls getting used to the different schedule and stuff like that so yes some of it might as well be um what kind of role he's playing as a pitcher, but it could also just be that he's kind of uh, figured out MLB a little bit. All right. So you got the Rays, but you say the Orioles will be in the playoffs. So we've killed two birds with one stone. So we've already filled out one of those wild cards. Um, All right. Now we're going to go to the central. You have right now, as we sit here, as I'm looking at this, um, you have the twins two games up on the Guardians. Uh, and then the Tigers are five games back. And I think the White Sox are out of it. But so uh, well, who do you got there? 
Yeah, I see the Twins holding on to the division, even though they have struggled defensively. So of the Guardians and uh, their run differential is better than the Guardians by 36 runs. Right. Good point. And yeah. So they also have the highest pitching war in baseball, which is interesting. And they have the easiest strength of rest of season schedule in baseball also at a 488 opponents opponents winning percentage. So I think all of those things kind of combine to make me believe that the twins are going to hold on to the division. In the last 20 seconds, you just sold me on the twins for the rest of the year. You did with those, you did for this, with those numbers. And, you know, it's important because you mentioned strength of schedule. I'm looking at it. Teams above 500. They're only 24 and 32. I mean, not good, not great. So, uh, so that means that you know they can make up some ground here, and and they're two games up over five hundred. All right. So you have the twins. I, yeah, go ahead. Oh, sorry. I always have one more thing to say. Sure. Um, no. I just think I would also bet on Correa being better than he was in the first half, and uh, they've had a lot of injuries. I mean, so has everybody, but like Jose Miranda and Jorge Polanco and and Kirilov and like Gallo has missed some time and, and Kepler. So, so many players have pissed, have missed time. And, um, you know, I, I feel like Kirilov and Gallo have actually been very good when they've been playing. And so if obviously those are, those are two players who also, uh, often are spending some time on the injured list, but if they don't, I could see the twins offense being better in the second half. And, and I have made mention of this, the third wild card gets to play that division, which normally would be say, okay, that's a gift. But if it's the twins, Sonny Gray, Joe Ryan, Pablo Lopez, you know. Pablo Lopez, man. So exciting. Yeah, I really just love what he has done. He was such a good pitcher before. But, you know, that was when he was basically just fastball changeup. And now, now he's like, such a got good guy. other pitches. It's so exciting. Such, such a yeah. good guy. And, and, and also, a player told me, said the best crossword puzzle player he's ever seen in a, in a major league team, which is impressive. You know, it's like, oh, I mean, wow. And I asked him about that. He's very modest. But I'm, I'm proclaiming him the best crossword puzzle player in, in, in the major leagues. Um, I love it. I love it so much. I know. Crossword puzzles are great. Um, all right. American League West, you have, as we sit here, you have Texas four and a half up on Houston. And they are both, well, Houston's one of the wildcard teams right now as well. Uh, then you have the Angels, they're nine back, they're four and a half back in the wildcard. But we'll get to the wildcard after the, we've already de- designated one wildcard team. We'll get to that. But who do you got? You got Texas? Yeah. I sure do. I mean, they have the best run differential in baseball at uh, 162 and also the best WRC plus in the AL at 121. And they are also tied with the Rays in starting pitching ERA. And that feels like a little bit more sustainable for them, I guess. I mean, obviously, they have lost Jacob deGrom. But, like, Eovaldi has been so great. and, And Dane Dunning has been, like, a wonderful I don't want to say surprise that almost sounds mean but like better than I expected and John Gray has been very very good obviously they could use some more depth um and they could also use some more relief pitching but you know their their entire lineup is just it's just thumping you know every single one of their batters is 
above league average at this point. And so I think they they actually have kind of both halves of uh, of a good baseball team, which is rare. It right. feels it's like super, in 2023. Yeah. Especially in the American League. And, and I, I give Chris Young a ton of credit. You know, sometimes GMs make early trade deadline moves and he went out and got Chapman. And really, like, I was stunned that he was able to get him Chapman for what he got him for. And I know he's a rental, whatever, but but Chapman came in and he's already done what they needed him to do there. And sometimes I go, I always reference the Carlos Santana trade of last year at Seattle. After they got him, Ellen, mm. they went 17 and four. It wasn't because Carlos Santana was hitting home runs every at bat. Sometimes it just it just means something to the team. So yeah, I love it. Um, all right, so you got the Rangers. There you go. We have de- yeah. we have, we have defined the three American League uh, division winners. We have we have the Orioles as one of the wild card. Now for the rest of the, the other two wild card, you have right now you have the it would be like I said Houston and yes Houston, and then you have the Orioles are a half game out of the wild card. The Red Sox are two and a half games out of the wild card. The Yankees are three and a half games out of the wild card. And you have, like I said, the Angels are four and a half and Seattle's five. You need two more of that group. Who do you got? Well, I think my next one is going to be, I mean, and surprise, surprise, it's going to be also from the AL East um, because it's the most insane division in baseball. Um, I think the Blue Jays. Um, I'm going to pick the Blue Jays. And you know, I think they might need to like buy around the edges for pitching depth to compensate for Manoa, but pitching, I mean, it might also be that pitching is just going to be more expensive than they're willing to pay given that like, you know, um, Gossman is incredible and we've got good Barrios this year and like Bassett and Kikuchi are, have been serviceable. And, you know, so it's just kind of like what, what, becomes of Alec Manoa and does he need to be sort of replaced for a playoff run but that's better than a lot of teams can say in terms of the pitching and then obviously like it's just a really really strong offensive club um Bichette is having an excellent season and Matt Chapman got out to that very hot start not really a pace that anybody could keep up with um but you know like Brandon Belt has been good and George Springer Kiermaier Vlad has been productive even with less power. So, you know, I think um I think that I think that the Blue Jays are are going to do it. Oh, I did have this one note about if you if you like strength of schedule. Wait till oh, you hear I this. Oh, I do. I love strength um, of schedule. They do have the easiest strength of schedule of any AL East team. Um they're the only AL East team to have a uh rest of season uh strength of schedule that is less than 500. It's you, like just less than 500. Do you subscribe to this? Do you subscribe to something that I keep saying? I've said this since, since spring training, and I really don't feel any different. I think they're the most talented team in the American League, like talent-wise. You just la- you just rattled off a bunch of names, and I'm like, wow, you know. And you didn't even mention Jordan Romano. <laughs> so no, like, I didn't. No, I didn't it, even it, mention. Yeah. Hyunjin Ryu, I think, um, is going to be on his way back at some point. So it could be that that's another reason that they're like, mm, I don't think we need another pitcher. But yeah, yeah, an incredibly talented team. Yeah, but you know they and still got to figure. I it could out. see that. 
Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I think I've just been very wooed by this Texas Rangers team. <laughs> but yeah, certainly like before the season, I would have been like, oh, my God. But I guess that's partly because of the mystery of what has happened to Alec Manoa. Right. So I would have been like, oh, my gosh, well, you've got this pitching staff that's like got Kevin Gossman and Alec Manoa on it. So, yeah. Um, all right. So, so, so that leaves us with one spot. And it obviously comes down to, I mean, if you, I don't know if you want to include the Mariners, although that, you know, they just had their outfielder break his foot kicking a cooler. Um, so uh, you have the Red Sox, you have the Astros and you have the angels hanging in there four and a half back. I really hate this, but I think it's going to be the Astros. <laughs> I- I hate it. I hate it so much. I mean, like, yeah, would it completely, absolutely delight me if it was if it was the Mariners um, or the Red Sox? Honestly, if I could be like, like, what a great, what a great year it would be if both the Yankees and the Astros missed the playoffs. It would be so good. <laughs> I almost don't want to dream it. Yeah. Anyway, so that's why I think I think it's going to be the Astros. Um, you know, I really what's been surprising about the Astros is that their offense has been just like barely above average, which is obviously not what we expect from them. And really only Kyle Tucker and Alex Bregman are having good seasons um, and Jordan Alvarez when he's healthy, but you know, Abreu has been awful, which um, I don't necessarily associate him in my heart with the Astros. So like, it still makes me sad that he's been awful. Um, yeah. And I mean, they, they've also, they've been unlucky in the pitching department, um, losing Lance McCullers and Luis Garcia. And speaking of being mysteriously terrible, like Christian Javier has been mysteriously terrible recently. Um, so I, I feel like they can't quite keep doing this with just Framber Valdez and um, JP France. There's the two JPs, and I'm always not 100% <laughs> confident which one is on which team, but I think JP France is on the Astros and Brandon Bielak. But, yeah, um, I don't I don't know. I don't know if they I expect them to be the, one of the sort of like getting Altuve and Alvarez back is our biggest trade deadline acquisition kind of a thing. Or No, I think, I think they're going to be one of these teams – that actually how they look now, they're going to make a move. And obviously they've been rumored to Dylan Cease, which I don't know if they're going to be able to pry away, but go back to last year. And I know there was a different GM, but still, you know, you, Mm -hmm. you get the rental and Christian Vasquez and you also do the trade for Trey Mancini, which three-way trade, which you gave up Jose Suri, which, you know, how much would they love to have him right now? So seriously. Yeah. It's so it's uh, I, I'm no, I don't know. I mean, I, I, the Red Sox are just, they're so up and down. They're so up and down. I mean, you just, they've been playing better, but it's, you can't lose series to the A's and you, it's just, it's, it's like the entire American league. And then you you have the angels and we had on Jeff Fletcher who wrote the Otani book. And he's like, he's basically saying, yeah, they're not going to be in it, but I don't think they're going to trade Otani. Well, since he said that they've won, bunch of games they're kind of still in it it's it's as yeah it's try it's hard to figure out um yeah but uh okay well all right so you have in synopsis you have the rays winning the east you have the twins winning the central you have the rangers winning the west and you have the orioles blue jays and astros all making the wild card all solid choices 
Um, I can't argue with any of them. I can't. I, I they're and, not interesting. No, but but you know the the thing is the the I know right right we want this is, comes back there's, and there's more of this in the National League the feel good teams but we want the feel good teams we want sort of like the we want to see Otani and Trout in the playoffs don't we so oh god we do so badly <laughs> yeah even the Guardians I would be happy I don't think that's gonna happen but but like that would be that would be a feel good thing I yeah think. Terry Francona yeah I mean I, yes. But uh, all right, so let's go to the National League. Uh, I suspect I know who you think is going to win the National League East, correct? I think everybody knows. The, I mean, the, the I mean, it, you know, <laughs> they're only ten and a half back. You. Yeah, yeah. No, Atlanta has you know the biggest lead uh, in any division in baseball, and they also have uh, the best run differential in the National League, which is the the third best overall at 145. They have the best WRC plus in the National League. They are on pace to absolutely smash the single season home run record that was set by the Twins, the Bomba squad a few years ago. Um, Yeah, and you know, all of this has happened uh, with so many injuries to their pitching staff. This is a, I think a point that I made on MLB Network, Um, you know, like Spencer Strider, Bryce Elder, and Charlie Morton have had good seasons overall, even with Strider not quite being himself. Um, but yeah, there have been sort of, they've been kind of like piecing things together with, you know, like AJ Smith Shaver and, and stuff like that. But Soroka is back now, and, um, you know, Kyle Wright and Max Fried are on their way back. So as good as Atlanta has been, I just feel like I can only forecast them to be better in the future, which is completely ridiculous. And that same thing that I kind of said about how good basically everybody in the um, Rangers lineup is, Ben, is the same for Atlanta. Basically, it's only Michael Harris II with the OPS plus of below 100. This is, again, a fact that I just remember from um, (laughs) being on MLB Network the other week. Yeah. So, yeah, that's... They're they're going to be in the postseason. It's hard to argue, and I'll give you another one. Far and away, the best team against good teams. I mean, thirty-two mm-hmm. and nineteen against over teams five hundred, and um, and to me that says something. It just and they and by the way, they're all signed for the next hundred years. Every single buddy on the roster. And why, why yes. don't we just and, and you know what? Why don't we just extend the backup catcher too, Travis Tart? Now, who happened to be on the All Star team last year as well? Yeah, but like our backup catcher, but like no big deal. Yeah, no, I mean, I feel quite certain that Alex Anthopoulos is going to make some kind of smart moves (laughs) at the deadline because like, (laughs) does he have a deal with the devil? I don't know. It seems like it. (laughs) All right. So NL Central, uh, this is a tough one. America's team is hanging in there. So what do you got? Yeah, I don't know. I think that my opinion has been swayed by looking um, at the Brewers uh, take two out of three from the Phillies. Uh, And also, I think by the by the Reds cooling a little bit, um, I was I was optimistic about the Reds. I didn't on MLB Network say that they were going to win the division. I think it was just uh, the the question was who's going to be in first place heading into the All-Star break. And I forecasted that it was going to be the Reds and I was wrong, um, which just shows how much faith everybody should put in everything that I say on this podcast is that it is going to be immediately wrong. 
Um, and, you know, I mean, one of the things that I was looking at was just that the the Brewers' offensive numbers are not impressive. Um, they have a notably bad team, WRC Plus, of 88, right? So that is 12% worse than the league average. That is tied with the A's and the White Sox. <laughs> really? Talk yes. about three dramatically different teams when two of them are just terrible, but just yeah. dramatically differently put together yeah and and what had sort of surprised me when i was looking into it um is how how poorly their pitching has performed in the first half of the season um they are 21st out of 30 teams in starting pitching war and you know partly that's injuries and and corbin burns not looking like himself although he looked like himself today uh, against the Phillies. Um, and, you know, uh, Peralta and Ray have been fine. And but, you know, Wade Miley and Adrian Hauser have been even better. Still, like they when I look at their starting pitching, I nevertheless obviously forecast it being far better than the Reds, um, you know, which is basically at this point um, because they're missing. Nick Lodolo and Hunter Green. It's basically like Andrew Abbott and then a lot of sort yeah, of everybody. Like, yeah chewing gum and sunflower seeds holding the rest of the rotation together. So yeah, I, I, I still, I think that even though the, the Brewers offense hasn't been great, you know, despite Christian Yelich bounce back, he homered today and um, William Contreras also looking like a great pickup for them. Um, basically everybody else has been below average, but I still kind of feel like I just trust their, their pitching staff and their offense to be able to score enough runs to su- basically give their pitchers run support that they're going to hold on to the division. Yeah. I mean, I think saying that, it, but. it's not a, it's not like earth shattering to say that they're, this is a flawed division. It is amazing that there's only one team in the division that has a plus run differential and that's the Cubs at plus 30, 38. And this is, by the way, Alan, this is why the Cubs are hang. Like, if they did not have this, their conversations about adding guys or subtracting guys would be, it would be defined right now, but I don't think it is. They're the Cubs right now. They're six and a half. They're out of it, I think, but still they're, they're latching onto that run differential and say, Hey, look at what we have and you don't. So it's kind of crazy. And, um, and the Reds, they just got to go. If, if there's any team that needs to go out and get a starting pitcher, it's them. It just is. Yes. Yeah. It's worth noting that the Reds have a minus 17 run differential, um, which is not not great. No. Um, I mean, it's all, not yeah. too far off from the Cardinals. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, yeah. It's just as a, as a division, it's just super Midwestern. Right. Like, I feel like everybody's like, well, but what do you want to do? Like, you know, like with some experience of sitting around, everybody talking about where they want to go to dinner with like my Midwestern family. Everybody's like, oh, no, no, like I could do anything like I could win the division. Have you you been to the have you been to games? I would imagine in whatever Chicago or Cincinnati or St. Louis or any of those places, because my my memory, my indelible image wasn't even the World Series going to St. Louis. It was the All-Star game there when it actually counted to something really, really important, which the Cardinals were in. I think it might have been, maybe it was the year they went to the World Series, but the home field advantage. And it came down the end, and there was like, 
the, the National League lost in some, I don't play, and they're like, oh, the great game of baseball. Wasn't that fun? I'm like, no, you just lost home field advantage. Uh, anyway. Yeah, yeah, totally. I have been to a game in all of those places. But yeah. I haven't been to one in Milwaukee, but I've. Yeah. Oh, me either. That's the one of the only, uh, the only ones that I haven't been to. Uh, Pittsburgh, very underrated. Um, all right. National League West. Oh, Pittsburgh is the best. It is the best. It's, it's subtly the best. It really is. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, it's my favorite that I've been to. There's some, really? there are some excellent parks I haven't been to. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. Oh yeah. Um, all right, National League West. Right now, right now, <laughs> this is the ultimate. Oh, come on. Please be the good story and not the same story. Uh, yeah. it, right now, the Dodgers are two games up on both the Diamondbacks and the Giants. And, well, you know, Padres are 10 back. They Maybe we can talk about the, the wild card. But, uh, so well, who do you get? Dodgers going to hang on or one of these? The I just think it's going to be the Dodgers. I just think it's going to probably be the Dodgers. I don't know. I just, it feels like I've seen this movie before. And, um, you know, I mean, basically, again, it's a a situation. They have the the second best WRC plus in the National League at 113. And basically, everybody has been good in the lineup except for um, the Miguels, uh, Rojas and Vargas. And it just, it feels like a real, like, leave it to the Dodgers to get the 90th percentile outcome out of J.D. Martinez and Jason Hayward. Um, and, and you know, I mean, I, obviously the, the Dodgers are one of the teams, um, one of the many teams that we've discussed who are really looking for starting pitching um, with, with Kershaw injured and with Syndergaard injured and with Dustin May injured. Um, and so they've been relying on this, on this trio of rookies, really, uh, of whom – only Bobby Miller is the one who's been excellent so far. Um, so they need some pitching, but still they've just been really good because um, because they do have a, a decent amount of good starting pitching, even as it is um, in this day and age. And the, and their offense is just so good. So, yeah, I, I, I think it's going to be I, the I can't say when I was on Atlanta Station and they asked, so behind, besides the Braves, who should we, would we watch? I said, you got to look at the Dodgers. You just do. I mean, it's just – like you said, it's sort of you just throw your hands up. Oh, it's kind of like the Rays in a sense, although they win more than the Rays, I feel. But the, the where a player goes there, okay, they're going to be good now. You know, <laughs> from the Red Sox, Ryan Brazier was that example. The guy gets DFA'd, now he's lights out there. I mean, it's just like, okay, that's good. everyone's like, that's going to happen. It's yep. JD Martinez, that's going to happen. So, yeah. But, um, yeah, sort of shocking. It it didn't like it. It it wasn't like shocking and instantaneous with Noah Syndergaard. But but that's you know he got injured, so I guess it's neither proved nor disproved. Yeah. All right. So now you get to talk about your Phillies. Sure. Uh, <laughs> you you you, you, don't, uh, you you sound like you 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 don't want to talk about for fear of of overestimating them. Am yeah, I correct in that like, assessment? You're 100% correct. But like, I just, I have to be honest. Like, I just think, I think they are a wild card team. I don't think it's just that they happen to be sitting in a wild card spot right now. I really believe that they are good enough to make it to the postseason again. Um, you know, I think in many ways they ought to be a better 
team than they were last year. And last year, they obviously made it to the postseason. Um, they a few a few Phillies facts that I have here. Um, they have a modest uh, plus thirteen run differential, which is just behind the Diamondbacks, and they. Also have, I was talking up the pitching earlier, they have the highest starting pitching war in the National League, and they have the fifth best bullpen war in all of baseball. Um, and I guess it's partly that uh, I just expect that we could see better out of the Phillies in the second half. Um, my dog agrees if you're hearing ambient sounds uh, in the background. A lot is, of Phillies fans. <laughs> she is such a huge Phillies fan. Oh my gosh, yes, yes. Um, JT Real Mutt is her favorite player. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, so, you know, I just feel like if, if Trey Turner returns to, to form and, you know, if, if homering on Saturday is a sign that, that Harper's power is returning, if Schwarber ever goes on one of his Schwarber tears that he normally has at least one of in a season and he hasn't had one yet, um, JT Real Muto has been sort of uh, cold recently. So, I also feel like, you know, if the Phillies defense is improved by having literally the worst player by defensive runs saved or no, by outs above average, uh, like play DH instead of in the outfield, mm. um, then I, I guess I just feel like we have not seen the best of this that this Phillies team could reasonably do, right? We're not talking about the 90th percentile outcome for every single player. We're just talking about the 75th percentile outcome for like most of them. Um, then I think that, yeah, better better days could likely be ahead for the Phillies. Well, our betting isn't boring lunatic, Jonathan Papelbon picked them to go to the World Series, but he also picked them as the fifth best team in the major leagues when they were under 500. So I think... Uh, He's 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 basically put his his um, stake in the ground when it comes to the Phillies, even when they were terrible. Now he wants to look like a genius. I trust you more than him. So there you go. Um, all right. So that's one. I, I appreciate him uh, having such a strong vote of confidence in this team, despite notable disagreements that he had with Bryce Harper. So. <laughs> he's come around. It's the circle of life. Uh, yes. <laughs> All-time Philly save leaders, though. So there, there you go. Uh, yeah, look, look, look. He's, he's played for a number of teams that I really enjoyed. So <laughs> I uh, loved him so much in 2007 with the, like, Bud Light uh, oh, box on his head and yes. like, doing the jig and stuff like that. It, he's a it, delightful it human was, being. Yeah, it was basically the definitive way to celebrate a, a or, or a series win. Um, all right, so the last two wildcard teams in the National League. We have the Phillies. Now, now it gets a little bit tougher. Yes, it does. It absolutely does. Um, I uh, am going to go with the Giants. Okay. Um, I, I just think that the, the excellence of the top of the rotation and the bullpen has been key for the Giants. And again, is like, you know, pitching has been more unsettled this year, um, a little bit perhaps more of an outlier, I guess, amongst teams. Um, so, you know, obviously Logan Webb and Alex Cobb have been so good. Um, and we've also got Tony Disco. I heard recently that he hates being called Tony Disco, but that actually only made me want him to call Tony Disco more often. And, um, you know, Alex Wood has been good. And um, Ross Stripling has has been there. He's been there, like, which is more than a lot of other rotations can, stay, can say. And they also have a certain amount of depth in terms of um, having a couple of regular starters, Sean Manaya and Jacob Junis, uh, 
are in the bullpen at this point, but like that makes them set in comparison to everybody else. Um, they also, this is a note that I have seventh best relief pitcher war in the Ooh, majors. Really? Yeah. Yeah. With, uh, you know, Camilo Duvall and the brothers Rogers have been great. And, you know, they've been hit with a couple of injuries, but mostly the guys that they have in there in their lineup have been good, you know, in their mixy matchy, Zaidi, Kapler kind of a way. Um, you know, the ex Mets have been good. And uh, Lamont Wade has been great, and um, and Yastrzemski and and Peterson, and you know I think they've yet to see um, exactly what they want to see from from their rookies, um, but uh, but they don't need to, right? Like the offense has been just sort of like chugging along, so I'm gonna pick the Giants. All right, so now the third one. This is this is gonna be the intro, the 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 battle of the feel goods, right? It is. The I'm, Reds, the Reds versus the Diamondbacks. That's basically what it comes down to, right? Oh no, I'm sorry. Well, in the Mar, in the Marlins, in the Marlins, and the Marlins. Yeah, right. I would actually, I would say, I would imagine the Marlins, um, personally, more likely to make it than the Reds. I guess just, just because I, I don't think that the second place team in the Central is going to make it. So that would mean that the Reds would have to win the division. So, um, I'm picking the Diamondbacks, and Ooh. I'm picking, I'm picking the Diamondbacks because. This is a sort of an emotional choice. Oh, is it Zach Allen? Well, yes. Yes, Zach <laughs> Allen is my favorite, not Phillies player. I love you, Zach Allen. Um, but like for for a few years, the Diamondbacks have been maybe my favorite, my second favorite National League team. I just really like them. I just like their collection of of players. And, um, and they have a core of players who have been excellent this year. I mean, I think it's huge for them that, that Corbin Carroll's shoulder injury didn't end up being apparently much of a thing. And he can continue to put up this fantastic Rookie of the Year campaign. And I know that something that I think I said on MLB Network, unless it was in a segment that we didn't get to, is like, I feel like nobody talks about how great of a season Cattell Marte has had. I also love Cattell Marte, um, uh, one of my favorite players. Um, Christian Walker has also been great. And I think on this podcast, I do a lot of podcasts, we might have talked about Geraldo Perdomo's sort of like yes, post-type yeah. breakout yeah, and yeah. feels sort of ignored, but like he's been great. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I do think that after um, my beloved Zach Gallen, the rotation looks a little thin um, now that Merrill Kelly is on the IL, although Tommy Henry has been very good. Um, but it's kind of their their young trio of starters, uh, one of whom, of course, uh, Dre Jameson is looking at a pretty serious elbow injury. Um, but Ryan Nelson and Brandon Fott have not, despite their the hype and my extreme excitement for them, um, they haven't quite performed as people would hope. So I do think that they need another starter. Um, and they could also use some bullpen help. Um, yeah, but... they're going to make it. I think they're going to make a deal. They they weren't afraid to make a deal in 2017. They got JD Martinez, um, so I, I don't think I, I don't think they'll be afraid to. They've they've reached that point. And so two two observations about the Diamondbacks. Number one, Ellen Tori Lavella, one of my favorite people in baseball, mm. and I've said this multiple times. And I've said it to him. I said, "There's in in life, forget about baseball. There's not a lot of people." who listen to you and actually digest what you say and care what you say in a conversation more than he does. Ugh. Yeah. Isn't that great? Like that's, it's, it's one of these things where he used to come on when we were doing radio and he used to come on, 
he'd come on whenever he asked. And part of it, I know that it was like he knew that this was sort. It was when he was a bench coach for the Red Sox, he knew this was part of the training. Right? He wanted to get better at it. He wanted to get better about every part of it, interviews and everything. But he would always ask questions about why does this work? Why does this work? What do you do here? What do you do here? And I imagine for their manager, that goes a long way, right? Like, they, it's not it's like my way or the highway. It's just the exact opposite. So anyway, that's my Tori Lovello uh, resume. Yeah, right I love that so much. I feel like it's one of the most important qualities that a person could have, frankly. And certainly that one could have as a coach, which, um, uh, you know, or or as a as the manager of a team, which I think is really a lot more about personality management than I think people think that it is. Oh, right? totally. Because that that's the that's the main thing that that the manager has to do that nobody else is going to do, right? So so um all of all of the nerds and I say this with both uh reverence and affection um for for you know the analytics department of any team like they can do any amount of telling you like, oh, well, this is actually, this is going to be the smart pitcher to bring in in this situation, or, you know, this is going to be a good matchup for, to, to put in this pinch hitter or whatever, like it's, but the main thing that a manager has to do that nobody else can do is, is manage the personalities on the team and make everybody feel heard and, and comfortable to be able to perform it's so important and uh, yeah so i'm pulling for them i'm glad you picked them third and also the other part was jordan lawler who i talked to at the futures game he, where I, I was asking people because the la Dela cruz i'm the fastest guy in the planet conversation so i've been going around <laughs> asking who's the fastest player you ever saw and jordan lawler said dre jamison beat corbin carroll in a race in spring training right so you right you literally might have the fastest player in the major leagues, be a relief pitcher. <laughs> Astonishing. Oh my gosh. I love it so much. Yeah. Corbin Carroll's pretty fast. It's yeah. it's definitely, it's a, it's a situation where like, there's a lot of things that are fun about both uh, Cruz's game and Carroll's game for sure. Like they're both so electric to watch. I asked Corbin Carroll that in the media session at the all-star game. I don't think he wanted to talk about it. So. <laughs> so, which is fair that's fine about being beat by Dre James yeah yeah well uh, in fairness so they have the media they have the media set up you know it's the media availability and they all have to sit at the table for 45 minutes and so it's so packed so you basically when it starts you have to pick which one you're gonna like get in front row for and so I'm just I was close to Carol so I, I played myself there I'm like oh I really want to ask him about this race and not really factoring in the Corbin Carroll was the hometown boy that was coming back, coming to the All-Star game was one of the biggest storylines. And the first question he had tried to ask or answer is about being beaten in spring training race. So yeah, bad move by me. But oh my gosh, I love it. I um love it. all right. So uh in synopsis, we have the Braves, we have the Brewers, and we have the Dodgers win the division, and in the wild card, the Phillies. You have in the uh, Diamondbacks and the Giants, all good picks. Now, to finish things off, Alan, we, I'm going to ask you not to, you know, there's going to be a lot of buyers and sellers. Oh, I'm sorry, of course, it's going to be a lot of buyers and sellers. There's going to be a lot of uh, buyers. Um, but I want you to pick out a team or teams which you say are going to be A, the most aggressive and B, the most surprising of the buyers. Is that mm. a fair question? So I got I got one which I think, 
it might surprise people about being a buyer. Okay, great. Would I mean? You want me I to go, go first? Do you want to? Yeah, yeah. Go okay, for it. I'll go for. I I think the Padres are going to be buyers. Mm. I think the Padres. Um, right now, as we sit here, they're six and a half back of the wild card. Uh, but but they have plus forty two run differential, which, as we noted, you yep. know, GMs really like to focus on. Um, so, and obviously they're a very, very talented team. I think AJ Preller is, is ingrained him in him to be a buyer. Um, and that's how they had been viewing this from the get-go. And if they're close at all, if there's any signs at all, then they're going to do it. I just feel like this is going to be like the Braves of that year where they, everyone was saying, what are you doing? Like, what are you doing? What are you, what are you, you're buying, you're, you're under 500, you're, the next thing you know, they're winning it all. So I, I, I'm not saying the Padres are going to win it all. I'm not saying that that's, that would be the path to them making the playoffs. I just feel like they're going to be buyers. So that's fine. Yeah, because like they should be better. And like, look, I would in an, in a perfect world, I would pick the Padres instead of the Giants. Yeah. I'm just going to be totally honest. Like, and I don't just mean that like, oh, looking at this team on paper should be better. They've been individually good, you know, like Tatis and Soto have been great. I know that that some people are kind of like, what's up with Soto's batting average? But I think his OPS is like still above 900. He's been good. And mm. like Machado has been good. And Haseon Kim has had such an excellent season. And yeah, like, I'm just kind of like, are they are they dying because Jake Cronenworth and Gary Sanchez haven't been good? Like that doesn't that doesn't make any sense, right? And like, the pitching has also been good. Blake Snell has been amazing. Joe Musgrove has been really good. So yeah, it, it's, it's, um, it's not just about like imagining the talent. It's also about like literally looking at what all the individual pieces have done and being like, why is this not? I mean, I guess that goes to the, um, the, the run differential that you mentioned before. Um, yeah. Just being like, what, what, how, how does this, how is this not working? <laughs> you, you sound, you sound exactly like AJ Preller sitting in a dark room somewhere. He's just saying the exact, what, what, how is this not working? Yeah, I feel like he probably sounds a little bit m more sad and a little bit less perplexed than <laughs> yeah. I do um, from my very outside perspective. But yeah. Uh, um, all right. So what's yours? What, what do you got? Well, my first pick would be the Rangers. Um, I feel like the Rangers have shown that they're really willing to push their chips in um, and they've already made a trade. And, you know, they, they have a fantastic um, more than first half behind them. It's an incredible team. And I just think like you don't get Jacob deGrom and then not replace an injured Jacob deGrom if your team is playing like this. So that's, that's my first good, Yeah, no, that's a good one. And like you said, we don't we didn't know what Chris Young was going to look like as a GM. But A, he spent in the offseason and B, he's already made a trade, which, by the way, a lot of t a lot of GMs, they're paralyzed. They won't make you know, they, they're paralyzed by that dynamic. Like, oh, we can't possibly make a trade that early in the trade deadline. But he made it, and it's paid off so far. So I like that one. Good one. Do you have another one? Yeah. 
Well, my thought is that the Diamondbacks might not be all in on this year, but that their their contending window is clearly open and you want to do what you can to improve your club this year and next. I feel like that's sort of that's the place that they're in. But, you know, honestly, I could also see their perspective being like maybe especially this year because the Dodgers are even though I sort of think they're going to win the division. I feel like this is the Dodgers version of a gap year, right? They're they're gearing up to like try to get Otani. Maybe they don't get Otani. Who knows what Otani is going to do? But it feels like the smart money would be on Otani signing with the Dodgers. And so that kind of makes me feel like, you know, um the 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 Diamondbacks organization is going to is going to look at this and be like maybe we really need to try try to make sure that we don't lose this chance. I don't think that that means that they're going to trade Jordan Lawler or Drew Jones or whatever. Um I I have a crush on Mike Hazen as a GM. I just really like the moves that he makes. So I just feel certain that he's going to figure out how to bolster the pitching without mortgaging the future. Well, like but I said, making back, a significant trade. Yeah. Yeah. They've done it. I mean, like I said, go back to 2017, the JD Martinez trade. And um, so they aren't afraid. And, and uh, yeah, which is encouraging because sometimes you just don't know. Like we still don't know what Michael Elias is going to do with the Orioles. We don't know. Right. Mm-hmm. So, yep. um, but uh, all right. So the last thing is what player are you most anxious to see what happens to them at the trade deadline? I'm throwing this one at you, but I just thought of it. Is there one player that you're most – so there's – in recent days, there's been a lot of buzz about Dylan Cease. He has a lot of years of control. So Houston wanting him, and that would be an enormous package. Obviously, Otani, you know, that's – everybody's talking about him. Uh, Lorenzen of Detroit's on fire. Um, you know, so is there any player that jumps out at you say, like, I'm really anxious to see where that player is going to go? It's, I mean, obviously – no, please go ahead. No, no, because there. I was going to say, there isn't. I don't feel because the, the the teams that are defined as sellers don't have those guys. There aren't those obvious. Uh, there's some obvious guys, but not the the flurry of obvious guys. The Rockies and the Royals and the and the Nationals and the um uh well, oh obviously the A's. So, um, but is there anybody that jumps out at you? Yeah, I mean, I was just going to say Otani feels like the the very, very obvious answer. And I feel like the Dylan Cease thing is is very interesting because I feel like the White Sox have a lot of, they could be one of the best teams to be real sellers rather than just kind of like tinkerers, you know, doing this and that. Um, and I think they have so many good parts to sell. And I feel like Lucas Giolito is obviously sort of the pitcher in everybody's mind because his um, he reaches free agency this year. Um, but then, like, the question is, are they going to do a full um, full kind of teardown and trade somebody like Cease as well or, or you know, other players who are going to be free agents after next season like Tim Anderson or Liam Hendricks? I feel like that is very, very interesting. I feel also... Hmm. Very interested to see what the Red Sox do and, you know, whether or not they end up being the sellers of, you know, maybe not, uh, again, some sort of wholesale teardown, but 
I do love James Paxton. He's like yeah, well, always I mean, been one of my favorite players. And so it's kind of like, what is going to be the fate of James Paxton might actually be my like personal answer because, um, because I'm so fond of him, but also cause like there's part of me that, that doesn't want to see him go to another team. I'd like to see him stay on the Red Sox. I mean, unless they trade him to the Phillies, like just hypothetically. Uh, well, it's a good um, one. It's a good one because. I tell you what, so the Red Sox are obviously, they're sitting as we sit here right now, they're in it, but they just lost a series to the A's. And there are certain guys on that team that you can't dance around. You trade them, you're admitting that you're, that's out. And like they tried to go halfway last year, didn't really work out. Um, totally. But James Paxton's one of them just because, you know, he's, they, they need him. They desperately need him because Chris Sale's hurt and Tanner Houck's hurt and Jared Whitlock's hurt and you're relying on Brian Bayo, basically a rookie. Uh, so you need Dick James Paxton to be good. And then you have um, – and then some other interesting guys who normally you would entertain training to will be huge assets to contending teams, Kenley Jansen, Justin Turner – Chris Martin, but all those guys could potentially come back next year. And if mm-hmm. you tr- move on from them, you've gutted like an enormous, believe it or not, core of that team. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, it's just, yeah, with the, with all of the pitching injuries, it just seems like from a, from an outside perspective, easier to sell than to try to make up the roster deficit. So, yeah, I guess it's, you know, in some ways, the teams that are kind of on the bubble of like, are they even going to sell anything are, are sort of the most interesting. Um, yeah. It's I, sad, I, I, interesting. I like the angels. I don't want the angels. to no, no. I want them to be good and get to um, <laughs> yeah. the postseason is what I really want. But yeah, I, uh, I but I agree with the white Sox. The white Sox are the team that, you know, on August 1st, you know, we could be basically seeing go down the list. Giolito, Lance Lynn, um, um, um Brendal's a free agent. Yeah. Uh, yes. Um, and then Reynaldo Lopez. Uh, Reynaldo Ro- Lopez. Middleton is a good pitcher, and I have not even mm-hmm. uh, said the name that thou should always mention in this podcast, which is Joe Kelly. Um. So uh, of course, yeah, of course. And uh, so um, you have all of those players, and then you have some more, like we have Dylan Cease, and so they and Tim Anderson. I mean, they they need to turn over their roster. This is something that everybody knows, but it's just how are they going to do it with what they have? So, um, but um, all right, well, we've defined it. We've solved a lot of wor- the world's problems today, Ellen. I appreciate it. Have we? <laughs> I feel like we have. You've had a lot of baseball today. A lot of baseball yeah, today. I have. So, it's been good. It's been a good day. Yeah. Well, I appreciate it. Excellent stuff, as always. Well, thank you so much for having me. My goodness, it is a it's a it's a joy to get to talk about baseball always. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. 
We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 